1: Hey guys, this is Know What I Heard. I'm Jamie, and I am so pumped about this episode. This is a topic that I have been wanting to cover since the beginning of starting this podcast, and I can't wait to share it with you. I'm joined by Emma Gingrich, who is ex-Amish. She left the Amish community when she was 18 years old. She ended up writing a book called Runaway Amish Girl, The Great Escape, where she talks about what it was like growing up Amish and kind of what led up to her her leaving the Amish community, and what life has been like since. I think it's a fascinating story, and I really enjoy talking with Emma. So I hope that you enjoy her story, too. So here's Emma. Hello? Hi. Hi there. How are you doing? Good. But Well, thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm excited. I grew up in Missouri and have lived other in other parts of the country, but now I'm back in Missouri. So I kind of, there's a lot of Amish communities around me, you know, Mm -hmm. where I grew up and even now, but a lot of people have probably never seen an Amish person. And, you know, when you grow up in in the middle of New York City, you're probably not like surrounded by, <laughs> you know, Amish people. Um, but I've always just kind of had a, a respect, to, you know, for that community and um, just wanted to learn more about it and just kind of share your experience with everybody else. But for somebody who's not really familiar with the Amish and kind of their customs, can you kind of give like just a quick breakdown of?
0: Yeah. So, uh, since I've, I've left, I've learned a lot more that there's a lot of people that have never heard of Amish people. And yeah. it always shocks me that there's people out here that don't know anything about the Amish people or have never right. seen them or don't, have no clue that they that Amish people exist. Um, as far as the last I heard just recently this year, I've heard there was over 300,000 Amish people. That includes kids and like the families have huge families right there were a little over 300,000 in America wow um they don't really associate with the outside world they they try to stay uh, at home do their own thing live off the farm no electricity no cars If they need to go somewhere, they go with horse and buggy. Or if it's too far with horse and buggy, they use a bus (laughs) or a train. That's their means of travel from one state to another if they want to go visit family. Gotcha. And have very strict rules and they think that you have to live the Amish lifestyle. They live the way they do because they say that that's how they've always been raised to live. And that's how they get into
1: heaven. Okay. And so what are the kind of religious ideals?
0: Religiously, they think that they have to listen to what the bishop of each community says. Every spring and fall, they have a what they call the ordnung. So all the adults that are 18 and above get together and they kind of just reiterate all the rules of the Amish, what they're supposed to do and They do preach from the Bible, but it's in a different language than what they speak. They speak Pennsylvania Dutch in everyday life, but the Bible is written in high German. So it's nearly impossible for anyone to understand it. So the preacher, I don't know if the preachers even know what they're saying, but they'll, they'll, (laughs) they'll memorize it and then they'll stand up and preach for three hours. Oh, wow. That must be really hard to do when you don't know what you're saying. (laughs) Yeah. And to sit
1: there and be like, I don't know what they're meaning, but here we are.
0: Yeah. From what I've observed from them and lived through it, it, I think they don't have really that much of a
1: religion as they do of a cult. They're more of a cult. So is there kind of this sense that the... Religious beliefs and, and views kind of get tweaked to cater to the the men kind of in charge? Yeah, very much so. So there's not like this overlying rules that every single Amish person has to follow. It kind of goes by each community.
0: Yeah, each community is kind of tweaked to its own. I want to clarify, though, the, the ones that I'm talking about is the and Trooper group, which is where I grew up. So there's different groups, different orders, and then within those groups they have a church district. I call it a community, but so there's Swartz and Trooper and then there's Old Order Amish and New Order Amish. And the Swartz and Troopers, they would not be allowed to marry somebody from from a Old Order Amish group. Hmm. They have to marry within their own group. So they're very limited because eventually it's all, they're all related.
1: Right. <laughs> it's kind yeah. of
0: disgusting. But
1: so what was um, like, what was growing up like? What were as far as like school and just the things that were required of you daily as far as chores and things like that?
0: Well, I started doing chores around age five and I started school at six. So. We go to school from age 6 to 14. 14 is 8th grade, so after 8th grade, there's no more school to go to. You just stay home and you work. Oh, wow. Yeah, and all the, for example, my younger sisters are still at home. They're not married yet. They're 18 and 20 right now. But ever since they were done with school age 14, they've been working in the bakery my parents have a little bakery and a bulk food store, so they've been working there since a very young age. And they don't get paid. Oh, really? To work there, no. All the money goes to the parents. Wow. So they can't keep. They can't make any money until they're twenty-one. Well, once you're twenty-one, they're going to get married, or even before. Sometimes they get married at age eighteen. Some of my sisters got married at age eighteen. But then the husband has to pay the parents the money that she would have made if she were not married from the age eighteen to twenty-one. Wow! So I feel like that's just they have no life. Like they they can't make any money f- of their own, so that means they can't go anywhere. Right. They just stay at home, and when they if they stay at home, then they're gonna get married, and then their husband takes over.
1: <laughs> right. So you're just The females in particular are just constantly being told what to do and how to live. Like you just go from like your father's rules to your husband's.
0: Yes, yes. And I can't see how that's a life. The women stay at home. They do the cooking and cleaning and sewing. They make all the clothes for the family. Um, I mean, that's, that's the expectation. And then as soon as they get married, then they... Are expected to start having kids and just start all over, cooking, cleaning, doing what they did when they were young.
1: So that's what you had to look forward to. Yes, you stayed. Wow. As far as like the school through, you know, being fourteen, what kind of things did you learn in school? What was what was being taught?
0: We learn how to read and write in both German and English. We weren't really allowed to use, to talk in English other than in school every other day. We were allowed to talk in English. We would read and learn how to write in English. But yeah, that, that was about it. It was just in school. The rest was in German. Hmm. And then we also had um, math, which it's not math like today's math is. It's the basics. Hmm. I can't remember that we had the letters in math like they do
1: today. Oh, like algebra type? Yeah. Which I don't use in my adult life. So that's kind of a, <laughs> a, way, a well, waste I don't anyway. Either,
0: but I've always been the math person. I love math.
1: I mean, I'm assuming no history or anything, science, Mm-mm. nothing, nothing no, was taught.
0: No history, no science, no
1: geography. It was
0: just very basic. And it doesn't seem like there would have been enough for eight years of school. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. I imagine it got a little monotonous. Yeah. I saw that in your book that the term English is referred to anyone outside of the Amish community. Um, so what were you taught about the English? Were they considered bad people, scary? Like, what was your view of the English growing up?
0: Well, um, uh... They definitely weren't scary to us. We did refer everyone, regardless of skin color, call them English. And we did have quite a few different nationalities come to our farm. Um, sometimes people showed up wanted to buy chickens or something. I think mm-hmm. if you also wanted goats and sheep, and <laughs> that's pretty interesting. And we always, we didn't really make friends with English people. There were a few that lived in the area that would come by on a regular basis, but the parents are the ones that would usually do all the conversations and talking with whoever showed up. Right. So I did get to know a few, and one family was actually, they were the ones that I told them that
1: I wanted to leave. I, I, yeah, I had enough courage to do that. And can you kind of go through the process of you actually leaving? When I was
0: around 15 years old, I just had this utter sadness about me. I just, I just felt like I didn't belong Amish and I couldn't fit in with any of people my girls my age. I just felt like I'm just a lone wolf that didn't know where to go. They seemed so happy and ladylike. And they had boyfriends, and I was like, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I can't, I'm lost. I don't like any of that. I'm not happy. I'm not ladylike. I'm not, I mean, when I say ladylike, (laughs) I mean like Amish to the T, like very Amish. You listen to the rules. You don't question anything. You just do. (laughs) And that wasn't me. And I always felt so left out. So. I told one of my younger sisters that I wanted to leave the Amish and she kind of just laughed at me and was like, yeah, right. And I, I even myself didn't really understand what I was saying, but I just knew that something was different about me. So as time went on, I talked to the neighbor lady across the street. She was not Amish. She's English. And I would clean her house about once a month. And she asked me one day if I would ever want to leave the Amish. And I said, yes. And she said, okay, I'll help you. Or let me know when you want to leave or something like that. And I didn't really say much about it. But I always knew that once the time came that I can go, I'm going to run to her house and stay there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then she she died of a heart attack when I was Hmm. 17. And that was, it was so sad. Uh, So I had to look for somebody else that was willing to help me. And there were people that would come to our farm regularly to talk about horses, and they became friends. And when I was 17, I was going to these quack, I call them quack doctors. They're kind of, they practice in ways that is kind of sketchy. For example, right. the balloons out my nose and stuff Yikes. to try and get rid of headaches. I was having headaches, and I think it was probably just stress or something. So they would take me to a doctor, and I was allowed to ride in their car because we were going to a doctor. That is allowed in the mm-hmm. Amish. Otherwise, you can't go anywhere in a car. So uh, one day I convinced my parents to not go with me. I wanted to go by myself with them. And I didn't think that that would ever fly, but it did. I went by myself and I told them that day that I wanted to leave the Amish. And they freaked out and they said, no, you can't. We're going to tell your parents because we are very good friends with your parents and we just can't let you leave the Amish without them knowing. And I didn't know enough English to really tell them that that's a bad idea to tell my parents right and I went home thinking that okay I'm never going to leave Amish because my parents are going to find out that I want to leave but days went on and they never said anything and and I I was sick to my stomach for like a whole month and then one day they uh showed up they drove like up to the barn our barn and house was a little bit far apart, so I was out in the barn, they drove to the barn to unload something and they handed me a note with a phone number on it and they said, keep this in in your possession until you want to leave the Amish, call that number. Aww. So I stuck it in my pocket and nobody, like none of my siblings noticed, nobody noticed that that happened, but I didn't discuss leaving the Amish with them ever again. They just handed hmm. me that number. It was such a relief to know that they're willing to do that. Um, but they, they, I, I don't know if they knew the people whose number that was. They just found out through another friend that that person could help me. Hmm. So behind the scenes, they were trying to find somebody that could help me, and I didn't know that they were doing that.
1: That's really cool.
0: Yeah, so it was about six months later when I... Woke up one morning, I had just turned 18, and I woke up one morning and I thought, you know what? This feels like a good day to leave the Amish. And my parents left that day to go to a town that was quite a ways away. They were going with horse and buggy, so I knew it would take them all day. And then I, uh, at noon, right after lunch, I wrote them a little note and left it on the table for them. And I ran out the back door and through a field and until I was until I could get out on the street without being seen. And I walked four miles to the next closest town, and and I called that number that those people had given me, and a lady came to pick me up. Wow, it was pretty nerve wracking. Um, I'm on my I'm walk, sure. on my walk over there, my. One of my brothers came riding up on a horse behind me. I was already gone maybe a mile and a half. He had happened to see the note, and he realized what was going on. He came riding up on a horse, and he had this terrified look on his face, and he said, you got to come back. And I just told him, no, I can't. I started this. I'm going to continue on. I'm not happy. If something changes, I'll come back. And he was just, I still see the look on his face, just ghost white, terrified. But he ended up turning around and going back home and I continued on my way. After I was picked up and I was still in my Amish clothes. I had like $50 in my pocket and was wearing just one set of clothes. I didn't have anything else. And those first few days was just, I mean, all I could think about was how what my parents would be going through right now because they came home and found me gone and I was just, yeah, it was so sickening. <laughs> but at the same time, there's no way I was going to go back home just because of them being
1: mad at me. Right. So when you like, we finally able to have some independence and make decisions like what were, I'm sure it was just completely overwhelming, but are there any things that stand out Mm. that you wanted to try or see or like what was most exciting to you? I mean,
0: before I left, I had all these ideas of what I'm going to do when I leave. And none of that came to mind after I left. I mean, I was just blank. I didn't know. I had to. Somebody had to go with me to buy clothes. We went to Goodwill because I didn't have much money. So we went to Goodwill to buy clothes. And then for, for two weeks, I just stayed in the house because my. I was about an hour and a half away from where my parents lived. But my parents were looking for me all over, everywhere. And they accused the English friends that would come to our place. They accused them of kidnapping me and. They were hmm. threatening to call the police and all kinds of stuff. So I just stayed in hiding. And I had not told the people that had given me the phone number. I had not told them when I was going to leave or where I was going. So they, they didn't know. <laughs> they just knew that they gave me a phone number. That's it. Right. So they didn't know anything. So they couldn't tell my parents anything. But it was really difficult those first few weeks. And then after two weeks, I went. Was that family that I was staying with to Texas, and stayed with friends of theirs in South Texas by South Padre Island. And I at that time I didn't know I was gonna stay in Texas for the rest of my life. I thought I was just gonna go visit, and then I ended up getting my birth certificate, my social security number, my uh then i got my cd and right after i got my cd i got into college i went to a community college and that was a culture shock
1: oh, i'm sure
0: <laughs> before i got into college i started working at a dollar general but then once i started college i couldn't work and go to school at the same time because it was just an overload of <laughs> yeah i was i was stressed every i would Come home from college, she'd go to sleep like at seven, seven thirty at night, and sleep until seven o'clock the next day
1: because that—that's uh, how stressed I was. So I would just sleep. Wow. So the the woman that that helped you or that that picked you up, what was she former Amish too, or what was? How did she kind of get involved?
0: Yeah. So it ended up being a really good deal because. Once I got in the car with her, she started telling me of her history, and she told me that she she had left the Amish thirty years prior, and hmm. she had three kids and a husband, and so that made it really easy. I mean, easier, because she had gone through that too. But she was from a different she was from a different community, not from the community I was in. Gotcha. So she her her background was more modern than mine was. But still, it was comforting to know that Amna was a complete stranger or right. somebody that
1: doesn't know anything about the Amish background. Right. I'm sure she kind of knew the steps to take to kind of ease you into, you know, or how to explain things and not just throw you into yeah, the craziness. Um, so if you had af- after you left and is there an option to go back? After you've made the decision to leave?
0: Yes. Uh, I mean, I could go back anytime. Um, are you referring to the Rumschwinger?
1: Well, I guess just like if, if you had left and then three weeks later changed your mind, would your family have just let you come back? Are there any consequences for that?
0: Yeah, they would have let me come back and they wanted me to, but... The consequences would have been, uh, they would have kind of just guilt tripped me and shamed me for. I don't. I'm assuming they would have done that for the rest of my life because they would have always had that fear that I was going to leave again.
1: Right. So they
0: would try to instill in me that what I did was very wrong and not, and that we're not supposed to do that. And my siblings, they they're still scared to this day because of what I did. Hmm. They have that fear of thinking that I did something majorly wrong and I'm going to hell
1: and they are going to heaven because they're Amish. Wow. And so you have 13 siblings, is that right? Yes. And and you're the only one that has, has left or had any desire to? Do? I have
0: one brother and his wife that left about two years ago. They left oh, after really? they got married. Yeah, it was because of things that happened in the Amish community. They decided they are not going to be a part of that. They left. They live in Maine. My family lives in Maine now. Uh, they've been oh, really? there eight to ten years, I think. Huh. Yeah, they moved from Missouri to Maine. Um, so the brother that left, him and his wife, they bought a property right smack in the middle of the Amish community, <laughs> but they're not Amish anymore. <laughs> and there were Amish elders going around telling um, English people that they don't want Noah to stay there. They want them to move out of Maine. Hmm. And Noah and his wife, they were like, why would we? We have every right to stay. We have every right to buy whatever we, property we want and live where we want. So they didn't care.
1: Yeah, well, good for them.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I love that, that it, they're just like right smack dab in the middle, like,
0: haha. Yeah, so they're, they're driving their vehicles through the Amish community.
1: <laughs> um, I mean, they,
0: they did opposite of what I did. I just failed, left the community completely. <clears throat> but I think it's good that they stay because it'll help showed Amish people that you can live a different lifestyle and still be a good person right It's not it's not like they're harming they're not out there harming any of the Amish people. They're living their life as normal English people would and you know they go to church they they have since accepted Jesus in their hearts and they got baptized and so I think it's a good example for the Amish people. But yeah. the Amish don't like that.
1: So do you have contact with your family? Well, yeah, I do
0: with some of my siblings. Um, not really with my parents.
1: Okay. Because one thing that really fascinated me in your book was the dating process. The oh, boy. <laughs> Would you mind describing that, going into (laughs) the specifics of what dating is like? Yeah, I got got into an argument with
0: an Amish person about that just last week. Um, Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, So the Amish, I I don't know if any Amish person really likes the the ones that are in the dating season right now. I don't know that any of them really likes that they have to date like this, but... Usually, they only do a date every two weeks because they have church every two weeks. So, it's confusing. But on on Saturday nights that they don't have church, uh, the next day, a group of guys will bring, they will pick a guy from a group, from their own group. Um, they will take that guy to a girl's house, take him upstairs, and they will wake the girl up from her sleep, because it's midnight on Saturday night, and they will ask her if she would have a date with this guy that they picked out. And, of course, the girl is usually gonna say no. Like, why Mm -hmm. would I? Why are you in my room? (laughs) (laughs) But, they will stay there until she says yes. Like, they don't give up on the first if it's the first time with that specific guy, they won't they'll they'll make the girl have a date. Wow I, so they I, can... I even hate calling it a date because it's not a date. It's it's awkward as hell. But <laughs> <laughs> so once the girl says yes, then they leave the guy there with the girl and the group of guys just leave and go home. So this guy, stranger, is in your room at Midnight, he's there in the room with you by himself, and so they're supposed to talk, get to know each other, and then get in bed and go to sleep if they want to sleep or they can stay up all night. Hmm. They're not supposed to have sex. And when I was still Amish, this happened to me a few times where they did bring a guy and want me to date him. Um, but I, I knew nothing about sex, so that didn't even cross my mind when the guy was in bed with me. I just felt mm-hmm. utterly dis—all the guys that I dated, I didn't want them in my bed. Right. I mean, it was so, it was so awkward. And some of them I wouldn't even say a word to. i just lay in bed, wouldn't talk. Yeah. Um. So after about Wednesday, about 4 or 5 o'clock, the guy's supposed to get up. Uh, go get his horse and bucky and leave he leaves that early because it, he wants to leave before the family the rest of the family gets up to start the morning chores so that's what an Amish date is
1: <laughs> it's just <laughs> it's like knock knock we just broke into your home basically not broken but we just walked into your home and now we're gonna ask if you want a date but regardless of what you say we're gonna push it yeah, until we, we came all this guy gets to way. Stay with you. Yeah. Don't waste we our time.
0: Yeah, don't waste our time <laughs> because we came all the way to you and it's late at night, so you have to say yes. And the guy after that first date, he can ask to come back and the girl can say yes or no if she says no, then the guy doesn't come back. Well that's that's supposedly what happens, but you never know when you get a creepy guy and he decides to show up anyway, even if right. you say
1: no. <laughs> yeah, that happens out here, too, you know, in the yeah. English world. <laughs> so.
0: But I had a discussion with an Amish person about this dating thing because they claim to be so religious and they claim to follow the Bible. And I wanted to know, how do you get by? enticing a guy to go to a girl's room and stay for the night and you don't want them lusting or have sex, Mm -hmm. why would you do that? And the person responded with, well, if they have God in their hearts, they won't do anything. And I said, okay, so wouldn't it make more sense for the guy to come pick up the girl, with horse and buggy, like Saturday evening around five o'clock, he could come pick her up, take her out to eat, have a good, nice meal, conversation, chat. And then he takes her back home, drops her off before it's too late. And then he can go home. The girl can go to sleep. Like, what's wrong yeah. with that? And they said, well, their answer was, well, we don't know what they're doing when they're out. What if they decide to stop and have a beer? Or what if a group of Amish people get together at that restaurant and they have drinks or whatever. And I said, well, if they have God in their heart, they won't do that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's awesome. uh, It's so
0: frustrating.
1: Yeah. Or just like, I mean, hell, just have like a picnic in the front yard where like your parents could like look out and see you, but at least you're like in daylight yeah. and having, <laughs> able to have a conversation, not just like, sorry, I woke you up. I'm going to just lay here by you. Okay. You know, that just the
0: parents think that they should not see the date, they should only hear them. So they don't want to see the guy coming or going, so they do it at night. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I asked, Are you ashamed? Are you ashamed that the guy is coming to your girl's house? I mean, why would you not want to get to know him too? And it's it does not make any sense. Yeah. And they told me that that it will their dating will never change because other and
1: other people in the community would never all agree to do that, to change it. Wow. So is there ever just not that structured dating, but like two people just kind of connect and want to date? Like, is that an option or does it have to be that the boys pick a girl for another guy in that process?
0: Yeah, I, I think it's mostly happens for guys. They see a girl, but then they will tell one of the other guys that they really like that girl. So those guys will take the guy and ask the girl if she would date him.
1: Gotcha. So it's
0: still structured, but the guys kind of have a say so of who they
1: who they would like. Go so see. they can be like, hey, do, hey, guys ask so-and-so yeah. for me. Okay. Yeah. That's just, I mean, just the fact that the girls don't really get a say is, I mean, I guess ultimately you can be like, please don't come back next week or, you know, in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so yeah. There's that, I guess. Please. I'm begging you not to come back. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> um. So I, I kind of wanted to get, I keep jumping around all over the place. I'm sorry. But so you you go to Texas and you are starting college. Like, can you fill in the rest of the blanks since you, you left?
0: So, yeah, I uh, went to a community college first and then I moved to a bigger four-year college in Stephenville, Texas. I went to Tarleton and they're part of the Texas A&M system. And I got my bachelor's degree in agriculture science, and to this day I don't know why I did that, <laughs> but I'm paying for it. And then once I was about, I was about to graduate with my bachelor's degree, and I I realized that this is absolutely not for me. Like, why did I do this? But I didn't want to start over, so I continued on. And I got my, then I went ahead and got my master's in. Business, so I got an MBA degree. And while I was working on my MBA, I was working for a family owned medical company and I really enjoyed the business aspects of it. Um, But I wanted something bigger, so I applied at a hospital in the Dallas Fort Worth area. They have over Twenty-five hospitals in the Dallas Fort Worth area. So, hmm. uh, I applied in their business central business office, and I got a job there. And I've been there six years. So I moved from Stevenville, which was a small town, to a big city for the first time. That was hmm. that was in two thousand fourteen when I moved to the city. And while I was still in Stevenville, I thought there's no way that I could ever live in the city because traffic freaked me out. So, <laughs> yeah. so many people freaked me out. But then when I realized what I want to do is my career, I thought, well, I don't have a choice. I would really like to work for this hospital. So I applied and got the job. And now I, I work in the claims insurance. I deal a lot with money, uh, so, I, I enjoy what I'm doing, and I get to I, now I get to work from home full time oh, cool. for them. And also, during the time that I was in college getting my bachelor's, I wrote a book. Uh, it's called Runaway Amish Girl The Great Escape. And I had, I got it published in 2014, and the book did way better than I could have ever imagined. I thought, I'll just write this story about me growing up and what made me leave and how the process was to leave. I was I, I wrote it and I thought, it's I'll just make it available for people who are around me and want to read it. And once it got published, it went like wildfire. Like the day it got published, Amish people in different states already found out about it. And I, I was just mind blown. I was like, how? they They don't have any internet. <laughs> but apparently somehow they keep tracking me through their english friends huh so uh and it also went international i have been to australia to on a tv show over there i i've done multiple interviews through like new zealand i did it i was i did it out of a studio in dallas but it was for their morning shows Mm -hmm. uh different countries have contacted me and interviewed me and then I was on the Making Kelly show in New York when she was still with NBC. That was very, very interesting. Um, if you haven't seen the YouTube video, uh, she asked yeah. me about the Amish dating. <laughs> yeah, I saw that video. <laughs> I wasn't expecting her to, to bring that up. I didn't know what she was going to ask me when I got there. But uh, I loved being on that show. And uh, what else have I done? I've traveled a lot. <laughs> I've been on mission trips to Namibia and Nepal, and I've been to Bali as a vacation, and I've also been to several states in the United States. I want to travel more, but time doesn't always allow it. And then also last year, I started a conference, and I want to turn it into a nonprofit organization called Be Present, and it has to do with anxiety because I feel like when you have anxiety, you're not actually present in the moment. So that's how Be Present came about.
1: Oh, that's really cool. Um,
0: yeah, I did my first conference in Maine. Uh, I was hoping that some Amish women would show up because I know they suffer from depression and anxiety. Because yeah. I did. for After I left the Amish, I, I had so much anxiety and depression. And I didn't know because when you're Amish, you don't really talk about emotions and feelings and what you're going through. You just stuff it all in. But after I left, I mean, things just went, it just went out of control. And I had to get help from a hospital. I was in a hospital for about two weeks to get mental Mm -hmm. help in a behavioral facility. Yeah, And then I got me a good counselor. And some people think that getting counseling for anxieties uh, was kind of looked down on or whatever, but I don't even care. It helped me so much. That,
1: yeah. Well, uh, those people probably don't deal with anxiety. If you do, I'm a very yeah. anxious person. Like it, it takes over everything and it can yeah just affect you socially and physically, you know, I mean, there's just so many parts of you that it just like takes over and it's very overwhelming. Yeah. yeah. I think that's so really important. After I
0: started started getting better I realized, you know what, I could use my experience and start something that would benefit other women. Uh, not just women, but um my first conference I had twenty five to thirty women show up. None of them were Amish, but it made me realize that so many other people have been through some kind of religious cult or experience something in their life that kind of relates to Amish. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's just so many different stories and it was, it was very interesting. I wanted to do another conference this year, but
1: COVID happened. So yeah, that's messed up everything. Yeah. Is there a a website or anything yet for the Be Present? Yes. Okay. It's
0: called Be Present conference
1: and I'm
0: I'm working on building up a, a new website for it and I have more information and then s- start more of my nonprofit ideas that I want to do and um, yeah.
1: would you ever be open or has the opportunity presented itself to help other Amish leave the community I haven't really helped anyone leave but
0: I've had a lot of people reach out to me via Facebook or whatever. Um, They would ask me about how they could get into college and if I could help them with the paperwork and stuff. And I've helped people. Like They'll have questions about what they've been through as an Amish. Um, Some of them have been through rape, molestation, Mm -hmm. and they left. So they're suffering from... Anxiety and depression. And so they'll ask me questions and open up to me about what they're going through and what they should do and stuff. So almost on a daily basis, I get a message from somebody.
1: Since you left, like, you know, there's Facebook and all these other social media outlets, and the internet and everything is just so prevalent that that makes it a lot easier to kind of reach out and find other people and resources and things like that. So it's cool that you can be that, just that kind of piece of comfort, um, to somebody who's left and needs a little guidance. So that's really cool. Do you feel like there's any values that from your upbringing that you still kind of hang on to, or do you feel like you kind of just washed all of that away? Well, I,
0: I would say my desire to raise a family. I, I still have that value, even though when I first left, I thought, you know, I don't want any kids, but as I got a little bit older, I, I began to realize, no, I do want kids. I want somebody that has my heritage and can take that on. And so I just got married about two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Congratulations, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, so now that I'm married, I can't wait to have kids and I... I keep thinking about the some of the values that I want to instill in my kids. Um, it won't be near as strict as I grew up, but <laughs> right. Uh, work ethic is, I have a really strong work ethic for myself, so I would want uh, my kids to learn the value of work. Mm-hmm. And And, of course, I'm a Christian, and so I would want my kids to have that too which Mm -hmm. is not really an Amish thing, I don't think. I don't think Amish are Christians, but, I mean, not all of them. Some of them are. Some of them aren't. But, um, and then the cooking, all the cooking, the baking, I still do that. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. And I really enjoy having that, you know, that upbringing, that I had that upbringing and I can continue on with it. So
1: Very cool. Yeah. Like, I guess, what are some of your, your favorite things about the English world? Like, I mean, I, I know mm-hmm. that it was just such a shock probably to to transfer into that. But are there things that you're just so grateful for that you didn't have growing up?
0: Uh, yeah, I I would say, I mean, this might sound cliche, but having freedom to absolutely do whatever you want. <laughs> mm-hmm. I appreciate it so much. I mean, I can get in the car and not feel guilty. Right. You know, in the Amish, I was so uncomfortable being in a car, car, even going to a doctor's office because I always thought that something bad is going to happen because, you know, we're supposed to be on horse and buggy. And also being able to have a TV, watch TV and not feel any guilt. And I remember being Amish and walking into Walmart to buy groceries, and I didn't want to walk by the TV aisle because I was afraid just looking as you're walking by is some, somehow evil. <laughs> wow. So, I mean, it's just the little things that I can do things without having that
1: guilt. Yeah. I'm free, you know? Yeah. Are there any things that that you don't like? about it or that are like scary or kind of disappointing? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. There's things that it's just, it's terrifying. And,
0: um, I guess the good thing about the Amish people is they don't really see all of the violence that goes on. And when I left hearing about violence on the news, uh, it was a shock to me because I didn't know that that happens. Yeah, and nowadays it's it's terrible. So,
1: yeah, I mean, this year in particular, there's just so many. This is a weird year, <laughs> just all around. Yeah, yeah. But you know, there's just a lot of things that are are just happening right now, and everything's so polarized that the thought of being Amish right now at times is would probably be a little appealing to just kind yeah. of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> be able to go and be like sealed off from the rest of the world for a while so that's probably the only time in my life that I thought that <laughs> I maybe want to switch places it's a it's yeah, a weird it's, time it's definitely made me think that
0: you know I don't have to go back to the homage but I could move out in the country and start a garden and do my own canning again I, I want to do my own canning again, but. Just growing my own food and just kind of be more independent would help a lot.
1: (laughs) Yeah. One other thing I kind of wanted to ask you was, um, just because I I think this is interesting, since you didn't know, like you weren't taught history and, and science and stuff like that, are there still things now that you're learning about U.S. history and world history and things that kind of blow your mind?
0: Uh, yeah, I, I'm always interested in history. And, you know, when I, when I first left the Amish in in 2008 is when President Obama got elected. And I was Mm -hmm. so into the election that year. It was my first time. I didn't know a president existed until I left the Amish. I left in 2006. So from 2006 to 2008, I, I got to learn a little bit about the like political stuff and right, uh, learn about people that have made history, like Martin Luther King, and uh, what's that guy's name in Africa? I don't want to say it was Morgan Freeman, but maybe there was a movie about <laughs>
1: Nelson Mandela,
0: yeah, that him uh-huh. just <laughs> different variety of stuff, <laughs> yeah, are, but. Yeah, the first presidential election, I was
1: so in tune to it. I loved it. Yeah, I just, I can't imagine like coming out into the world and being like, whoa, 9-11, civil rights, you know, civil rights movement and the internet. And there's just so many things that. Yes, I think though, even
0: like for the civil rights stuff, I remember learning about it in college and did some research on it. And then I, I don't think I fully understood it until this year. It made me think about things a little bit more in the civil rights era and to where we are now. I, th- I think it helped me understand more of it than what I did back when I was studying. Because we're going right. through
1: it. Do you find that being in that, that close community where maybe you were judged based on You know, the way you're dressed or or your lifestyle, do you feel like that makes you kind of more open and compassionate to other groups that are maybe discriminated against or
0: Oh absolutely. I mean, I was discriminated against just because I was wearing Amish clothes, like made fun of, or because I was in a different culture. So I have so much compassion for people who do
1: go through discrimination. And then do you, because I know reading your book, you'd kind of discuss that while there were a a lot of people in your family, there wasn't a lot of maybe closeness, but there wasn't a lot of like affection or, you know, you didn't really say I love you and things like that. Do you notice a big difference in the relationships you have now? I mean, obviously you're married, but like with, with friends and things like that, do you feel a closeness to them, like you, you didn't experience with your family. Um, I think maybe what I experience now has to do
0: with how I grew up. I'm not a very affectionate, huggy person. <laughs> I'll hug <laughs> right. my friends, but but I don't. I just hug them and then I want to let go. You know?
1: Yeah, I'm just not. Stop and I, I,
0: I, I still to this day, I don't tell my friends that I love them. I do sometimes, obviously I do my husband, but, um, I'm not, I don't know. I just, I know that I care for them and I love them, but I don't verbally say it because it's it's still to this day, it feels, it feels
1: weird. Right. Is that something that you're going to try and, and do like when you have children? Like, is that something that you feel like you need to make an yeah. effort to do?
0: I probably need to go to counseling too <laughs> to get that <laughs> no. straightened out because I definitely want my kids to hear that from me on a daily basis. So Well you yeah. can you can
1: show that you can show them too in a lot of ways. Yeah. You can you yeah. can say it all day long, but if you don't act like you love somebody, it doesn't really mean much. So
0: <laughs> you know. Well, I, I think I can you know, uh, like Clay, my husband and I were still dating. Uh, he would tell me that he loves me, and I wouldn't say it back. But then he would say, "I know you love me because you show it." So
1: Aww. I
0: think I think that that I'll be able to do that with my kids too. Um, just I I have, I have the ability to show somebody more than I have the ability to verbalize it.
1: Right. Well, I think that's all my thousand questions that i had um (laughs) is is there anything else you want to add or promote my my book is available on amazon in every format audio uh
0: it's available on kindle and then paperback
1: so well i i really appreciate you doing this and taking part of your saturday to chat with me so um, i
0: enjoyed it Uh, yeah
1: i think it's a A fascinating story. And um, when I first started doing this podcast, I had a list of like things that I like topics that I wanted to do so bad. And this was one of them. So I've been super excited (laughs) um, to do it. And I'm so thrilled whenever you agreed to do this and can't wait to to kind of share it with everybody. So I appreciate your time. That's cool. But um, well, anyway, thank you so much i really 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 appreciate it
0: (laughs) all right well i really appreciate it too and you have a good rest of your weekend
1: you too emma thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me and share your story i think it's absolutely fascinating And guys, check out her book, Runaway Amish Girl, The Great Escape. It's available on Amazon, and I will post links to the book and to Emma's social media accounts. So check out all of that. Uh, Make sure you support Emma. And uh, if you want to support the podcast, which I hope you do please wherever you listen rate review subscribe follow Uh, five star reviews are fantastic any comments it all just helps get new listeners which is the only way that we can keep the podcast going and i'm really loving it and i want to keep doing it so please 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 do that also the podcast is available now on amazon music if you want to listen there tell your friends about it you know spread the love and uh, stay safe stay healthy make sure you vote That's just around the corner. Make sure you do that. It's super important. And until next time, hey, know what I heard?